What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the welcome to what we have a DJ in here tonight. <laughs> welcome to the Why Jesus podcast, answering life's most important question. We are on episode number fourteen, and I have the honor and privilege of having somebody whose ministry has impacted my ministry, and who is somebody that I have watched for a really long time, and I'm just so excited and so grateful that we get to have him on the platform today and uh you know so michael moore aka the honest youth pastor many people didn't know what he looked like until he went from memes to doing actual videos all we had was a cartoon image so mm -hmm. super grateful for you mike what's up brother how you doing I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. There's a lot of people that are depressed that I'm not actually like fully sh head shaped, like you. Like <laughs> I don't look, yeah. Like I don't have the full head shaped. I'm just balding, so it's a little bit more embarrassing. So this is what I look like, though. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. So you made your icon for the future, you. You know, you were. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Looking down the road, like, all right, I'm gonna end up here. Might as well just. Go not, for it. Already. Yeah, yeah. All right. So let <laughs> let's jump right into it. Um. You know, a lot of people know you from your social media presence. You have over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. A lot of that coming from you. You had some of the most creative memes that I've ever seen in my life, right? Um, but before we dive into social media and you know you being a youth pastor, a lot of people, myself included, don't know your testimony. We don't know how you came to Christ, if you if you grew up in the church, if you were an atheist, we, we don't know that. So I'm extremely interested, and I know somebody else out there has to be interested as well. So take as much time as you want um, and lead us on your journey of coming to Christ. Yeah, so um, I was born uh, to a family that went to church. Actually, we lived in a trailer park right next to the church that we went to. And so we... Um, we went to that church. I remember growing up in that church. Basically, the way my mom and dad tell it is that I was born, and then as soon as we came home, the very next Sunday we were in church. So that's what we. <laughs> I mean, I was in church from the uh, basically birth, and so I we grew up in that church um, and go. We went there forever, and then I remember probably I was eight or so, and uh, that church split. So as an eight-year-old, like it was kind of weird for me because I was just like, "What is happening right now?" Like it was just. Church politics and stuff was not something that obviously an eight-year-old Michael understood what was happening. I, I just knew one Sunday we were here, and then the next Sunday we were in this weird church in the middle of town that was like with some of the people we used to go to church with. And um, basically, like in hindsight, like I learned in, in my teenage years, it was like you know a whole thing with the pastor, and some people really liked the pastor, and some people didn't, and yada yada yada. Church politics, and. Um, so we went to the church plant is that's what they called it even though it was a split off uh from the church we went to the church plant for a while until we eventually um uh, ended up my mom and dad realized they said um that that was a bad idea to split off and go with the people they went with uh it was just a it was just a very bad decision uh so then we went to uh, uh wesleyan church in that same town they were like we got to go somewhere else <laughs> there's not a lot of churches here so this is the one we're not going to currently so we'll go over here and it was it was close enough my dad had grown up uh united methodist and there were surprisingly not any united methodist in the town we were in but wesleyan was close enough to methodist and so they're like we'll just go there and i spent um my entire teenage years basically the my junior high years in that church 
And uh, they had a camp, a teen camp that they hosted, like it was a district camp uh, every year, student camp. And I had grown up in church my whole life. I, I mean, I went, but I never like paid attention. I'm sure the gospel was presented a whole bunch of times to me and I just did not listen or care. I was doodling or something. And I remember we went to that church camp and I was like, okay, fine, I'll go, whatever. Um, because my best friend was going and uh, there was this uh, banquet they held and the whole like, <laughs> I know we were supposed to be going for Jesus, but the idea was like, you could get a date to the banquet. And I was like, well, if I can get a date, I'm let's go. You know, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but I can get, I can get a girlfriend. <laughs> So, um, we, we go to camp and like the whole week is basically like trying to get a date for the banquet at the end of the, at the end of the week. And I go to that camp that year, the next year. And then that, um, that third year now between the second and third year, we had moved, my dad had got another job. So we had to move out of state, but because I was actually sort of interested in church and that was the one thing that I was really interested in. My mom and dad were very proactive in making sure that I was able to get back there and go and all of that. And then that third year, um, they, they, like they had done every year before that they did the whole altar call with the music and the raise your hand and come forward thing. And I, um, I don't know if I even knew necessarily what I was doing, but I knew that like at that point in my life, I was like, there's a lot going on, um, between the move and making new friends and all this other stuff. I had got involved in some stuff that like, it wasn't drugs or anything, but it was a lot of, um, just the way I was talking, the way I was thinking, the, the stuff I was watching, all of that was like, just that whole shift had really thrown me for a loop. And I had, we, we went to church, but I had no real basis for any, I mean, there was no foundation there. It was like, yeah, we yeah. go and sing and do this thing. And the whole move had really put in this whole new factor of like, well, my friends are gone. The new friends I have are not good influences at all. Uh, ironically, they went to the new church we went to, but they were not at all good influences. And so it was one of those things where we went to camp that year and I was like, I just need, they were talking about freedom from, you know, your, your temptations and, you know, all of these things that you were involved in. And I thought, well, that sounds good. <laughs> I need that. Um, so um, we, I went forward did that. And that was the first sort of, I don't know if you want to call it spiritual experience or something, but I was like, maybe there's something to this whole thing that we've, we've been going to church our whole life. And like, maybe there's something to this. Uh, I mean, not to knock on my parents or anything, cause they're great people, uh, but we never really did family devotion or really like church, like God and church were this separate thing from home. Like it was, they didn't really intertwine or at least in my head, like I don't, they never did. And so that church camp was really the point that I was like, I definitely want to go back there again. So I went again the fourth year and that was the, that was senior year. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? And so I had begun dating this girl that I had known from teen camp and that I had went to camp with all these years. Um, and I was like, well, Hey, what are you, what are you doing after? She's like, well, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to this university, uh, this Christian university. And I'm like, sounds good to me i'll apply too and because we were we were dating at the time yeah i yeah. thought i thought that sounds fine with me like I, I i can't tell you how aimless and ambitionless i was as a as a as a senior in high school like i had no clue what i was going to do and i had in that one year that i went forward and i i mean if you want to call it get saved get saved i had this just uh weird thing that i didn't really think was like true like this this inkling of hey you're going to be a preacher one day. And I thought, well, that's funny. I don't know what that's about, but that's not going to happen, but sure. And so um, uh, she was going to this 
Christian university. And I thought I'll apply too. Cause I literally have nowhere else to go or nothing else to do. And I really like you. And so I'm going to follow you. And so, um, we both went to, uh, Indiana Wesleyan university and, uh, I went into the youth ministry program there and she went into business. And I mean, long story short on this part of it, we, it's my, my wife now like so <laughs> it's turned out to be a good idea yeah that was and a good so, that was a good um, move good I move went there and it, it was it was a solid move yeah and so um we go there we get married uh sophomore year but before before that we had uh i don't know if you want to call them revivals or campus whatever i don't even know what they call them but they'd have a speaker come in and do the whole thing basically it was teen camp for college kids and so um and i was running the camera one night there because I was on the media team filming the whole thing. And, and um, this was the second year into college. So it was the sophomore year into college. I was already in youth ministry, getting that degree uh, because I was like, like, this is whatever. I mean, this is what I felt like I was supposed to do, but I, whatever. And uh, it's not like I was just aimless in that regard. Like I felt like if this, I, I had a real sense of like, you should do this, but I didn't know how it was going to work out because I can't describe to you how introverted and how shy and how nervous and how not studying of a person I was. And it was just sort of God used my laziness, I guess, to get me where he wanted to get me. And so I'm there, I'm in youth, going through the youth ministry degree process. Uh, it's beginning of sophomore year. They have this speaker come in, this revival thing. And I'm running the camera that one of the particular nights, I don't even remember what night it was. And there was something he said at the end. And then they went into worship music. And I, again, I don't even know what he said. I just know I felt this real sense of like, you haven't given me everything. And it wasn't audible. It wasn't anything like God told me. It was just like this real sense of, like, you know who I, like, I, I knew who Jesus was and I knew, you know, about salvation and his life, death, burial, resurrection. I knew all of that. And I had went forward at teen camp, but in that moment, it was just this real heavy conviction of you haven't given me everything. Um, and I just remember like we had for, I don't know anybody that's never been on a media team or ran a camera or been anything like that. We had these headsets on and I wasn't even thinking about it. I just know I, I dropped down to my knees and what I didn't think about was the camera went straight up and I still have my headset on and all I hear is the director going, <laughs> what are you doing? Get up, get up. Now you and heard the audible thought, voice. Like, I can't get up. <laughs> I, um, and so he has to take over because it's clear whoever this person, all this stuff that I was still doing um, um, as far as um, like at teen camp I'd went for because again it was how I was speaking what I was looking at um, the friends I was hanging out with the friends thing had kind of gone away because we were at college but there was still like residual addictions there and so that hadn't gone and I just know in that moment I was just like okay like this is one of those things that you haven't given to me yet and you haven't confessed it and nobody knows about it. And I remember that night um, I went, cause again, me and my, we were still dating. We hadn't got married yet. And uh, I went and I told her everything and confessed everything. And uh, cause I knew we were on the path for marriage and just told her like the whole experience of like, like, <laughs> like this has never happened before. I have no, I think I just got saved. I don't know. <laughs> and so um, it, it, it really went in that night. It went from a, a head knowledge of understanding 
to a much more real like this like jesus is everything like they're like he like everything there's he demands everything like he wants all of it and just this real sense of following him and um after that come up or they they message or uh, i have interactions with people just at my work where they're just like i just don't get it like i don't understand like why some christians are like let's hit the resume button let's see uh let's see if we're back all right guys um those in the chat let us know if you can if you can see us and hear us yes video and audio is good <laughs> so, okay um so uh yes yeah, so i was in college i was pretty much being super lazy uh as far as lazy in regards to not really having an ambition i knew when i had gone to that camp and went forward that i had like i knew there was this real sense of hey you're supposed to be in ministry and that was all i had a sense of and like i said so i i was already dating my wife um and well i was i was dating the lady that christina should become my wife one day and I, she was already going to indiana wesleyan so i thought i'll go there too uh, they have a ministry program so i'll just do that and so it wasn't like this big ambition of like i'm gonna go do this thing it was like yeah these, these two pieces fit together so i went like I was saying before, um, sophomore year, uh, each year at the college, they had like a revival or like a, a special week in which a speaker would come in. And I ran the camera for those events because I was really even in, even then was into media and camera and production and that sort of stuff. And so I was um, on sophomore year. It was one of the nights. I have no idea what night it was. Uh, I was running the camera and um, I was just really, the speaker got done speaking, the worship band came on and there was just this real sense of conviction. And I don't even know what he said. I'm sure he gave an altar call. I'm sure he said something about Jesus and I don't even know what it was. I just know that there was this real sense of conviction that I hadn't, I hadn't fully followed Jesus. I hadn't given everything to him. And, uh, and that was true. There was, there was stuff even from back in teen camp or the church camp that I had went to that I was still holding on to as far as the way I kind of thought, the way I talked, definitely the stuff I was looking at and the addictions I was holding on to. And I, again, I was, uh, I was doing the camera. I had the headset on and I just remember like, not like, I know it sounds strange probably to some people, but I just, I, I, I just fell to my knees. Like in that moment, I, it was just like, I had, like, there was just this real sense that I was not where I was supposed to be with the Lord. And so I fell down and I just remember hearing in my headset, the guy that was, you know, doing the production, like, get up, get up. What are you doing? Cause I was staring at the ceiling. The camera was, and I was like on the side shot, which was like the, the money shot. And so he had somebody else come along and take the camera from me. And I remember that night going and talking uh, to then, you know, my fiance, but what would become my wife, um, uh, about like all of the stuff, uh, that she didn't know about as far as, uh, especially just the addictions of stuff I had been looking at and, um, and, and just all of that came out and talking about, uh, the conviction I felt and just this real sense of like, I don't know if I was saved back there or if I was saved here, or if this is just sanctification, I have no clue what it is, but it's something new. And, um, I, I talked to people a lot about that moment because for me, that was really a, like kind of a, a moment where a flip switched in my soul of like, I didn't really care so much. I mean, I know I was in school in ministry 
to, to get a ministry degree. Um, but I, I was just reading the Bible because I had to, I mean, that was part of the course study. Like you had to do it. This is how you read it. This is what you do. And, um, it wasn't like it was meaningless, but it was just like, kind of like, okay, this is what Christians do. I got saved way back here in camp. So I'm just doing the things Christians do. And that day it really became like more, it, it wasn't just a head knowledge anymore. It was a reality. It was, this is who Jesus is. This is, this is what he does. This is what, uh, it, this is him. And uh, it really flipped to where he, God is so good in lining things up as far as people in your life at specific moments for specific purposes to really just line everything up. And um, there were just people that just came into my life at those times. Some people that were like, you know, that I knew firsthand. And then some people that like, again, the internet was coming. Uh, YouTube was a thing sort of at this point. I was really just started coming out and people had begun to like really put their sermons out online and stuff like that. So I really got introduced to people that I would have never normally been introduced to. Like I found out who John Piper was, had no clue who that dude was before. And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, I know people absolutely do not like him now and for some good reasons, but I like, I found out Mark Driscoll and I was like, I've never heard preaching like this before. What is this? Uh, I came across Matt Chandler at the time um darren patrick like there was all these guys that all, basically were in the same stream but i had never heard people that were that passionate about the scriptures and about doctrine and about like diving into the word i came from a tradition that by and large is um much more emotionally driven like wesleyans and united methodists are not known for their theological prowess as far as like high thought i mean there's definitely people in the denomination that do that but it's just not what you're known for and so I was like, this is, this is meat to me. Like I want this stuff. Like I, I want to know as much about who God is that I can. And so that really became a moment for me, especially those last, um, those last three years of college, because we got married between sophomore and junior year. And so there was a whole bunch of stuff happening at once, uh, as far as like marriage and, you know, learning about theology and really being interested in what that meant and really seeing, how the gospel affects your day-to-day -day life, that it wasn't compartmentalized. It wasn't, I just go to church and then I go to work and I do this thing. It was like, it's all of it flows together. And there were so many opportunities because we were, we were broke, broke when we first got married. Um, and it was a matter of like, so we were both working jobs and going to college. And uh, it was just amazing how, because of those jobs we had to have, that God really gave opportunities to demonstrate how, this compartmentalization doesn't work. Like if you're a Christian, like there were so many opportunities um, to practically share the gospel with people um, in a town that the campus wasn't really well liked. It was, it, there was a lot of political stuff going on where the people in town really didn't like the campus and uh, the campus didn't necessarily do a whole lot to fix that. And so it was really a good experience to be able to be like kind of talk through that with people and they knew i went to that school and uh, be able to share the gospel with them and have those conversations and um that that's basically my testimony i mean there's obviously a lot more that goes after that that we can talk about but it was that sophomore year that moment that was so transformative and god just lining everything up um to put things in place that really set a, a foundation for me in how I do ministry and how I approach it and how I, you know, enter into conversations with different people in, in different ways. And it was, um, I would be a different person <laughs> entirely if it wasn't for those, that particular year for sure, but just everything that kind of followed up after that. I, I completely understand what you say when it goes from, you know, you, 
you know God is real, you put your faith in Christ, like you know you're, you're in the door, so to speak, for in the door of heaven, so to speak, right? You're in the kingdom. It's like you just, you just got in, right? I, when I got saved, I was I was uh, going to Hillsong in New York City, and I I didn't get saved at Hillsong, but that was my introduction to church. Before that, I was like agnostic, borderline atheist, hostile towards Christianity. The only reason that I went was because somebody told me it would be like a rock concert, and it was. Um, but you know, over there, I also uh, I got to go to college classes they were doing with Nathan Finocchio, and it wasn't until I went to those college classes that I even knew what Christians really believed. You know, because, uh, you know, you go to these churches and it's, oh, yeah, let Jesus Christ into your heart and all this stuff. And it, I didn't even know what that meant, you know. So it was a whole mix of things that, that brought me to Christ. A lot of apologetics, too, because I was, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, s- skeptical doesn't even begin to describe what I was. Um, but I got saved and then it was like five years before I even... Uh, before God kind of just swept the rug out from under me with everything else I was doing, you know, I was uh, making money, driving a BMW, living in Miami, all, all of this stuff, and not giving God anything more than read the Bible and, you know, listen to some sermons. There, there was, it was like, all right, I, I, I know Jesus is real. I know he rose from the dead. Cool. I'm in heaven. Kept it moving. So when you were talking about how it just like the, the, switch flipped for you i can't pinpoint the moment but the switch definitely flipped and when when you allow god to just engulf your whole entire life now your whole life revolves around jesus um and and trying to bring glory to god it's night and day uh Mm -hmm. in 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 the peace that you have you know people think uh geo and i talk about this all the time about how people think you gotta give stuff up it's like, I don't even want to do the things that I thought I would have to give mm-hmm. up, you know? So let's get into how sure. how you went from, uh, you know, that experience into, you know, you were going to college for youth ministry, but how did you become, how did you go from that to youth pastor, the honest youth pastor, you know? Uh, how did that process work? And what did you... What happened that made you feel really called to do that? That you were like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so you cut out there. You're talking about the honest youth pastor account or youth pastor, being a youth pastor. Um, so I was saying that, uh, like, what was the path to becoming a youth pastor? How did all that gotcha. happen? Okay. So uh, we graduate uh, from from university, and it's kind of like all these guys that I know are like, you know, they've put out all these applications. And even though like a flip switch sophomore year, um, I was just kind of like, wow, what do you want to do? Where do you want to move? Because some of these guys are putting in applications everywhere. And uh, I'm just like. You know, it's crazy. I, I, I have just... I have so much Wi-Fi PTSD being here in uh in puerto rico that i automatically assume it it's me and uh i'm I'm like oh man the whole thing probably shut down he's gone no we're right we're still rocking no, and rolling I don't, so. know what <laughs> I don't know man this is just like yeah i don't know what's happening <laughs> so um anyway so we graduate i don't know what to do i don't know where to go um, I still am kind of just coasting to be frank. Cause I'm just like, I don't, I, you know, 
we just got married. We're trying to figure out like, what do we want to do? What kind of, I mean, she has a business degree. I've got the youth ministry degree and I start looking at these churches and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> nobody told me you didn't get paid nothing for this. <laughs> so I'm just like, this doesn't like, this doesn't feasibly work. All these churches I'm putting in for don't, they, there's no way I can live on this. And so, um, what we end up doing is we move back down, uh, basically in between, uh, her parents and my parents into Southern Indiana. And so she gets a job, uh, at a bank and I, uh, get a job. I don't even leave. I actually worked for Walmart at the time during college. And then I just transfer stores down. And so we start attending a local church and, uh, it's a church her, actually her family went to. So we just kind of come back, get jobs that we could have gotten without our degrees anyway, and just go to church. And so we're, it's really this thing that we, there was no real sense of this clear path of what to do. And so, uh, and for whatever reason in my head, I really wanted that. I really wanted this, like, you go here, like a word from the Lord for some crazy reason that was in my head, that that had to be a thing. And I didn't have that. So I was like, well, we'll just, you know, we'll go and just do the same jobs that we're already doing. Cause I mean, we'd seen a lot of fruit just in doing that and it was stable. And so, uh, we're attending the church that she grew up in. I'm helping out with the youth ministry there because I'm like, I, <laughs> I should probably do something with this degree. That's a ton of money that I'm not using. <laughs> and so we're, uh, we're helping out in the youth ministry at her, at the church she actually grew up in. And, uh, I'm just, you know, helping that youth pastor out as much as I can. Cause I'm just like, whatever you need, man, like I'm here. And so, um, we're doing that. And then he, um, actually has the opportunity to go and pastor a church. Uh, it's still local, but he, he takes that position. And so, uh, they, they, I don't say they'd interviewed me. They're like, you've already been doing this for like two. We'd been there for like about around two years. And they're like, you've already been helping him for two years. And it was sort of like, everybody good with Michael doing this? cool. Everybody's cool with you doing it if you want to do it. And we're yeah, like, say, oh, say okay. I, I guess, say I, <laughs> I guess this is the job then. <laughs> exactly. So, um, it was sort of a default, like you've already been helping and Mark, Mark was the youth pastor's name. He basically said, Hey, you'd be dumb not to put him, you know, give him this position, uh, when I leave. And so I, we fall into that and, uh, I'm still, again, that it's not, it's not a full time position. It's a, a part time. Uh, it's bi-locational basically. So I'm still doing the Walmart thing, still working at the church, doing both of those things. And we do that for another, uh, probably four or five years. And, the Lord does some amazing work there. So we're able to, it sounds like some fairy tale story, but we have volunteers coming out our ears. Uh, and the, that gives us the opportunity to really grow not only the youth, but the junior high and the children's ministry. And like, there are so many kids that like, I, we're, we have to like, I didn't know that being part of a youth pastor job was going to have to like, you know, do bus routes and figure out what time we had to leave and how late we were going to get back and how much food I needed to feed all these kids with. And like all these just very in, you know, hands dirty uh, things that you got to do. And so we, we really have an awesome system going on. Youth, the youth is growing, the junior high is growing, everything's doing really well. And we go on that course for probably the last three years that I'm there. And, um, the way the church works, uh, well, I'm sorry, I don't know how far you want me to skip ahead, but that that's how we get from 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 college to youth ministry. And it, it really comes to that point where I'm just like amazed at the thing that God's doing uh, because I'm not like extroverted in any sense, even though I'm 
do a lot of videos and I'm online a lot. That is not my personality. And so it's really a miracle to me that um, just looking even back at it now, that God blessed us with what he did in regards to the volunteers that we had, um, the amount of kids that we were able to minister to, 95% of them unchurched kids. And so it was just really amazing to me that um, so many of those kids came and learned about Jesus. And um, I, I, I've talked to a lot of them recently. And just the effect that had on them um, from those moments is just a testimony of God's sovereignty over all things, even uh, in the moments where you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but like this is working. So I think that's that's beautiful. And that, uh, you know, it gives me comfort. I know people who are listening to this or, or will listen to this, it it gives it gives them comfort because they can see you know where you're at right now with your online stuff and and everything and it looks like wow he's doing so much stuff for the lord it's so great blah 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 but you literally started like yeah i'm just going to continue working at walmart and uh you know um and my wife's gonna work uh um in business and and that's that's gonna be it we're gonna just keep our jobs and we'll continue going to church and we'll do what we can so I know that there's people who want to do more for the Lord and want to, uh, you know, create or, or do something. But, you know, they're just going to their regular job and they're not hearing the audible voice from God saying, no, leave here, blah, blah, blah. You know, I always, yeah. I always say that, um, you know, I'm from, originally from Yonkers, New York. And I'm like, the only way I will move back to Yonkers is if Jesus came into the living room and was like, John, you got to go, you got to go put a church there or something, you know. Uh, so... So many of us search for the audible voice or that like, yup, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So the fact that mm -hmm. you were just in motion, but putting God first, he just led you to exactly where you needed to be, where he needed you to be and went through the process that you needed to go through in order to, you know, probably get the skills and, and learn how things work. Being under a youth pastor for two years had to have helped you when you became a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah well and the thing was um the intent was not to to do that obviously but that's how it worked and the the nice thing was i talked about before in college where god puts the right people in the right places in the right times and the amazing thing about mark and still to this day the amazing thing about mark is that he is incredibly down to earth in regards to uh, how he preaches about how he presents the gospel and that was something in those two years i really needed because i was coming out of college and i was like you know there, there's always those like those seminary sort of memes that are like i know all things i know all the theology you gotta you get out of my way and so that was a hundred percent me coming out of college i was like <laughs> i know all the things and um it, I mean, because we had been through courses on how, like, oh, this is how you grow a youth ministry. This is how you get volunteers. This is how you do, I mean, steps to everything. And then uh, Mark was just very much like, hey, just tell them about Jesus and love them. And I'm like, well, that wasn't one of the steps. And he's like, no, just tell them about Jesus and love them. And um, having somebody that was that just simple about it and humble, it's like that, all that information you got's good, but it doesn't matter if you you don't tell them about Jesus and love them. And so that was a really good thing to have during those two years of having somebody, I mean, and just to, to brag on him for a second, I think that that's how he is to this day, even with his church. I mean, the first thing is, Hey, you know about Jesus? Cause that's what you need to know about first. And, um, just loving people like nobody, like, it's just like for all the theology that you could tell somebody, Mark's thing is, do you know about Jesus? And just loving people. So that was incredibly helpful in that moment. So, 
Yeah, well, if we have not love, you know. Um, so now let's talk about how the honest youth pastor was created. The the meme the meme dynasty of the honest the honest youth pastor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so interested in it. Like, did you just start it for fun? Like, what what was the plan with it? Uh, I, I'm so curious. No. Um, so it was for us. It was started out of frustration, actually. So we were at that church, and like I said, everything was going really, really well. And um, in my denomination, every four years, uh, the congregation votes on the pastor, which is, I think, kind of a crazy way to do things, but that's how they do it. And so um, they voted on the pastor that was there. Um, it was a 50-50 vote right down the middle for him, for and against. And in that case, the way the, the denominational like handbook reads, like he gets to choose if he wants to stay or not. And so he chose to stay and a lot of people did not like that because again, 50% of the people said no. And it wasn't anything like disqualifying. Like I, I, I know him, I still know him. I actually, I go to church with him now. And um, there was nothing there, it was just his style. They didn't like his style. They wanted somebody that was a bit more energetic. And so um, they, he leaves and they vote a new pastor in. And basically the, the example I give is we go from a MacArthur-esque sort of style to a Stephen Furtick type of style, which is just a, I mean, you're, you're shifting gears like really fast. And so um, my methodology is not that. I think everybody knows that from watching the sermon reviews, it's not a Stephen Furtick type of style. And so we, um, we tried to work together for about a year <laughs> and being like, like my methodology, your methodology, what's going on. There was a huge emphasis on like, Hey, the youth ministries, you know, primarily unchurched kids and the church kids don't feel comfortable being in the youth group. And I'm like, well, we can try to help them, but they need to learn that that's not a big deal. Like they need to be comfortable. And um, there was just a lot of like that happening and a lot of church politics that were going on with some of the other people that were on the board. And so basically long story short, um, the, they had a meeting. I wasn't there for it. Uh, I wasn't told that it was happening. And they, they basically said, Hey, they wanted the pastor to have a conversation with me about stepping down to the children's ministry position. And they were going to put the pastor's son in his youth minister. And I was just like, well, that's sort of crazy and stupid. And I don't like that idea at all. So no, thank you on that. And, uh, that was not the answer. I think they thought they were going to get from me. Um, and so I basically, at this point, long story short, I kind of knew this was coming just by all the church politics that was happening. And so I had already picked up another job because I thought like, I'm not going to like have my family, you know, financially in a situation here because somebody's church policy is all jacked up. And so I'm at this third job that I'm working and I get a call uh, from one of the uh, board members and they're like, hey, hey, don't come back Sunday. We'll send your check in the mail. And I was like, oh, OK, this is what we're doing. And so um, it, it hit me pretty hard, but it obviously hit my wife a little bit harder because that was the church she grew up in. And so I needed a place to vent. And I could not do it on Facebook because I knew everybody on Facebook <laughs> went to that church. And I just needed some place to get some of this out without like dumping it all on her because I was really frustrated. And but she was, too. She didn't need to hear every like all my frustrations about this. And so Instagram was rather new at the time. And I was like, hey, I'll go there. I'll just be the honest youth pastor uh, on Instagram and just dump all my you know junk on there. And at the same time, it was like a converging of things. Uh, 
she had introduced me to memes on Reddit. I had never known what a meme was and I had no clue what Reddit was. And so I was like, hey, this seems like the perfect path to get all of this pent up frustration out. And so if you like, not that anybody's going to take the time, though there may be some people out there that will, if you scroll all the way down to the beginning of the, of the page, there's some really old memes there. And you can kind of get a sense of where I was at the moment when I made those. And so that's how the page was created. Like the foundation of why it was created is because I needed to verbally vomit into the nothing uh, to just get it out. And for whatever reason at the time, that sounded like a good enough thing. Like the Instagram was a good enough place to do it. And nobody knew who I was on there. And I could just kind of get it out without hurting anybody at this church, without dumping on my wife and her family and just kind of get it out and just vent it a bit. Um, Cause that's all I needed to do. I just needed to be like, Hey, the church is dumb. Sometimes people are stupid. Sometimes why do we treat each other like this sometimes? And, um, so it started like that. Now, obviously, it morphs over time, <laughs> um, but that's that's kind of the genesis of it. It was I needed a place to to kind of get through some pretty tough issues that I was having with the church at that moment. And uh, oddly enough, the the page started growing because other people were experiencing that too, and I just didn't have a framework for that. I didn't know other people. I mean, I grew up in a other than that church that split when I was eight, every other church had been pretty stable and not a lot of church politics. And so I hadn't really experienced that a lot. They warned us about it in college, but I was like, okay, I don't know. I have no framework to, to, to know what you're talking about. And um, a lot of people at that same time, and obviously still are went through that and they kind of latched onto that. And that's, that's the initial momentum that the page got was a lot of church frustration, church politics, church hurt was kind of the genesis of the page. So that is very interesting. And I, I have the opposite experience because I was, uh, you know, I didn't go to church until 10 years ago. It, it, so I mm -hmm. didn't even, I didn't even think that this stuff went on. Uh, what the more that I got involved in Christianity, like the culture of Christianity and not just being a Christian on my own and I learned about this stuff I was like wow this this is supposed to be the place where everyone's like really nice and loves you and and people people are not nice and loving in a lot of these situations so yeah it's mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons why I'm so big on apologetics and discernment and getting to the truth of Christianity and not basing your faith on a feeling or how much you enjoy being at a church or how much you enjoy um, uh, maybe a pastor or something like that. Because I think that if I would have not came from, uh, you know, really studying different worldviews and listening to apologetics, listening to atheist versus Christian debates and really digging into the historicity, that's a vocab word of the um you know the resurrection and 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 that whole uh how that moment completely changed history if i wouldn't have came to christ in that way and i would have just been going to hillsong and been one of these like you know going there for the feeling because that's what i was at first just going yeah. there because i i liked it i think when everything fell apart there the same thing that I saw happen to a lot of people where they just walked away from the faith and they just um, like faded away. 
I could have been one of those casualties of uh, of a of a Hillsong disaster, you know, and it it happens on a smaller scale mm -hmm. in churches all the time. So, and we're talking about this, but the vast majority of churches are, are pretty good, you know. We're 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 talking about things that oh, yeah. hurt. Yeah, things that hurt seem to just stand out more than uh, than things that don't. Um, but I, I find it interesting that that's how you used. Uh, the internet, you kind of used it as like, oh, I just got to get this off my chest. And so many people resonated with it because they went through it as well. So how did it move from there to kind of what you're doing now? You know, you had a lot of fun. You had a a run of some really funny, uh, funny memes that were just priceless. You could frame them. Yeah. They were so good. Uh, <laughs> what's the trajectory yeah. of, of how you... Um, like, oh, man, I got a bug flying in my face. Puerto Rico, man. Um, so if you uh, if you could, like, look back and see your trajectory of, all right, this thing is taken off, what pulled you towards the direction that you're in now? So there were um, probably the first two years of doing the page, it was just the same thing. It was venting. It was getting over stuff. I mean, we were probably out of church, I think, for th three months um, just, just cause it was, it was just, we were just hurt. And the only reason we went back after that three months initially was, uh, somebody invited us to this church we go to now. And they're like, Hey, we know what happened. You know, we're aware of all of that, but like you, like, don't give up on, on people. Like we have a church down here. I think you guys would fit in real well. You'd really love it. Come on down. So we, uh, started going down there and I think probably for two years, um, I just kept using the account for just like working through some stuff and that being in that local church, the one we're at now was incredibly healing um, in regards to all of the things that were upsetting about what had happened in that situation at the other church. These people um, just showed the love of Jesus in amazing ways to heal a lot of that and um, were incredibly um gentle in doing so as far as just really slow, just really to, to talk and to understand and all of that. And, um, so probably about two years in the run of the page, I was kind of basically through all of that venting online. And it turned to more of, um, just like, Hey, let's, let's make just funny things about church, funny things about church people. Like the page, I can't like explain to people that it was never supposed to be what it is the page was really just me and my personality and what I'm going through at the moment. That's a hundred percent the plan. That's all the plan is. It's what do I want? What am I going through right now? And so for a good amount of time, it was just like, Hey, this is just fun. Like, this is just like church, you know, can be good. This can be funny. There are quirks that we have. And then in, in mixed with that, um, there were some stuff like, um, that was coming up. I had never heard of Bethel before. And there was a meme I made of Bethel and I was just really poking fun at him pretty hard. And somebody messaged me and they're like, and this is probably around about 10,000 people or so. Um, and they messaged me and they're like, Hey, there's a lot of people listening to you. And so, you know, Jesus said, you're going to be held account for every word you say. And so just take that into consideration. And they were really gentle about it. They were really, um, it was very much a, Hey, just consider this, not a, Hey, you're dumb. Stop doing this. Bethel's amazing. It was just, just think about what you're saying because there's a lot of people that are following you. And I hadn't really thought about it that way up to this point. I was just like, 
I don't know why these 10,000 people are here, but they're here, whatever. We're just going to laugh about it, I guess. And um, that kind of hit me in a different way um, where I was like, hmm, maybe, maybe they're right. Like, maybe I should use this for something other than just funny memes. Um, because there's a lot of pages like that. There's, there's a whole, I mean, no offense to any other Christian meme pages. I know almost all of the guys that run those. And so no offense to them, but that we are like kind of a dime a dozen where everybody kind of does the thing. And so I was like, what can I do with this then that would be helpful to people? And so we started doing more memes that were more like, Hey, kind of get you thinking about theology, longer descriptions, because the meme doesn't tell the whole story sometimes. Um, the idea is just like, hey, here's an idea. Like, have you considered it before? Have you thought about it? Like, what are, what are you, you know, when you hold it up against scripture, what does it mean? And we did that for a really long time. And then it got to the point where I am a sermon geek. I think everybody, if you watch the sermon reviews, you know that by now. But I do that just, I, I at the time that this was all happening, I had switched jobs. I didn't work at Walmart anymore. And my commute had increased dramatically. I was driving at the time an hour one way to work uh, just to get there. And so I had a lot of time on my hands to listen to sermons. And so I was already listening to them and critiquing them just in the car. And then I had an idea one day. I was like, what if I do that on like just a podcast form and upload? I wonder if anybody would like it. And people were like, yeah, why not? And so I did that, uh, uploaded one on Mike Todd, like before Mike Todd was Mike Todd. And he was just kind of getting, you know, people were getting to know him a little bit. And um, the computer I did it on died <laughs> right after I uploaded that one. So I was like, well, I guess we're not doing any more of those. And this was back in the day where people would like, for whatever crazy reason, pay you to run ads in your stories and on your feed. And so because I had like 10,000, 15,000 people at this point, for whatever reason, people were reaching out to do that. And I would tell people all the time, like, I don't think it's going to help you, but if you want to give me money, I'll take your money. And so um, I just kind of stored up all that ad revenue, bought a new computer, and then started doing like the sermon reviews. And um, we've got it to where it is now, where it's just like a weekly thing that we do. Uh, I, it's kind of funny, honestly. Our, our, our family's life is got this rhythm where the sermon reviews are built in. <laughs> like everybody knows I'm going to do them on this day and while everybody's doing their own thing. And like even my work schedule is built around having this day to do those. And so, um, yeah, so it went from being sort of just funny, random church stuff into what can I do to help people like have some resources to start thinking about things um, and really process what does it mean for me to believe this and what is that? You know, as we were going into where your channel is at now and, and with the sermon reviews and how, you know, you're creating a, a place where people can learn, you do discernment in, in a really good, graceful way. And I, I think that that's lacking, you know, and it, we're in a, we're in a, uh, a culture where if you do any type of discernment at all, you're labeled a heresy hunter. But, you know, your stuff is like, hey, we're breaking this mm -hmm. down. And uh, the reason that we're breaking it down is because you want people to know what the Bible actually teaches, not just put their trust in somebody who's in front, who's in the pulpit. So why do you think discernment is so important? And 
really digging into what people are saying and how what they're saying actually lines up with scripture. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's important because if it's, I mean, so this is what I've just noticed through doing the sermon reviews I do is that um, it, it can, it can get to the point that if you're a pastor and you're in front of people, people can get to the point where they really like you enough that they, they shut off the switch of even questioning you. And so I see that a lot. Like there was a Kenneth Copeland sermon review I did where people are, are looking down at their Bibles. They're turning to the places that he's telling them to, but then he's taking the scripture and just putting his own spin on it. So it's not a fact that they're not opening their Bibles and looking. It's just that they just, they whatever he says goes. And um, that's the same thing I made reference to uh, with Mike Todd. Like, I can sit down with people with and be like, hey, well, this is how we use the scripture and this is how it's wrong. But they have this idea that, you know, God speaks to Mike Todd and he listens and magical things happen. And so I think discernment in itself is incredibly important so that we can we can say, okay, what are they saying? How does it line up with scripture? And is is it a difference that's foundationally doctrinally wrong or is it just like a secondary denominational difference right and that's how i try to approach all of these sermon reviews and i I try to note that in them is that there are people that i disagree with on foundational issues and there are people that i disagree with on secondary issues and i want to be able to point those out as graciously as i can because it's not a salvation thing it's a like they're reading this differently. Now I well, 100% will say I disagree with them, but it's not something that I'm going to be like, hey, they're a heretic. And the, 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 the reason I approach it the way I do is because I want to give them the benefit of the doubt as much as I possibly can, unless I know, unless I know differently that maybe they just have never, no one's told them differently. Maybe they've grown up in this, this line of thought forever and literally no one's told them that, hey, this, you know, this interpretation is a little iffy or have you asked this question about this passage sort of thing. Now, if I know that they've been confronted about something they've said that's blatantly wrong and they're just like, who cares? I'm going to go a little bit harder. on them. <laughs> There's a couple of people like that that I know. And so it's just a matter of saying, you know, what and this is what I try to do for these sermon reviews. And I don't, I mean, it's discernment in the sense of just using basic Berean. What does the scripture say? What did this person say? Not discernment as in like heresy hunter, like, you know, most of the time it's labeled at the end of the day. What I really want anyone to do is to be able to say, this person said X, Y, Z is X, Y, Z in this text. And even if they read from that text, great. But is it really there or did they just say it really fancy and they made it look like it's there? And so the most recent sermon review I did, um, she technically read the text, but she she sticks a word in there that's not there. But she does it in such a way that unless you're really paying attention, you're not even noticing. And so it's one of those things where she's, I just want you to step back for a second and say, is that really in the scripture? And if it is, fantastic. If it's not, then you have to, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, fire them right away. I'm just saying, ask them questions like, Hey, yo, like you said this, but I'm not seeing that there. Could you explain your thought process to me? Because I don't, I don't see it. And, um, I think that's going to tell you a lot about that pastor in a, it, it, just in that moment, are they defensive? Are they willing to explain it to you? Um, there, I have a lot of respect. There's been a few pastors that I've reviewed that I have a lot of respect because from the pulpit, they'll say like, don't take my word for it. 
like look at scripture. If you think there's something I'm saying that's wrong, check scripture and ask me for clarification versus like the, the Lord told me this and therefore you have to listen and believe it. And so it's just a matter of really approaching sermons and Bible studies and all of that at the end of the day saying, does it line up with what scripture says? And if it doesn't, ask for clarification. And if it's still not good, then I have some lenience. I have, I, I can be like, all right, well, maybe I need to move on from this, 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 you know, this, this teacher or this person, because clearly they can't, they can't tell me how they got to AB. And so I'm not out for like the bashing. I, I really have a bit of an issue with people that just go out to bash somebody. Um, because, um, I, I don't think that's innately helpful. That's not teaching someone how to look at the scripture and look at that person. It's just saying, Hey, they're wrong and I'm right. And this is why, uh, rather than saying like, all right, let's walk through this. And that's, that's how the sermon reviews have developed. I mean, they weren't always that way. I really had to get some pretty critical feedback from people about maybe ways I was approaching it that weren't incredibly beneficial. Uh, and we're showing my bias a little too much and step back. And that's why we have the three things we measure every sermon by now, because it's a nice baseline that no matter if I really like the pastor or I don't, it doesn't make a difference because those three things are going to kind of level everything out for us at the end of the day. So what would you say for people who um, you know that they're blatantly, you know, misusing the text or adding a word or twisting it to 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 make it say what they want it to say, not necessarily what it actually says, but they still use the, you know, don't listen to me, go check your Bibles. But like they use that kind of as a, as like a defense mechanism. Well, well, you know, I'm, he's telling me to go read my Bible. So that must mean that he's telling the truth. Cause this is some feedback that I've gotten from some of the, the discernment stuff that, yeah. that I've, that I've, critiqued right i've, I've critiqued a, a few people and what i'll get back is you know well he says that everything is from scripture and he tells people to go read the bible for themselves or but it's like just because somebody tells you that doesn't mean they actually mean it yeah well in that case i would go uh what i typically try to tell people in that regard is that that that's usually and i don't want to blatantly say umbrella like secondary issue issue but I'd say that mo mainly at that point, what I do is I back up and say, okay, well, I'm coming from this line of theological thought, which I think is right. Um, they're coming from this theological thought. And I can guarantee you they're probably going to use this verse, this verse, and this verse to like back that up. And this is why I think this verse, this verse, and this verse don't mean what they think it means. And so it's, and at that point, I just, and I've had to do this because a lot of the sermons recently that I've reviewed have been more of the charismatic flavor uh, of using a lot of the, you know, Jesus told the disciples, he gave them authority to go cast out all that stuff. Um, and so like at that point I go, okay, well this contextually, if I'm looking at the context that this is in and all of this and given church history and all of that, like this is how I got to where I'm at. So here's all the evidence that I have for you. And I'm just saying like, here it is. If they have contrary evidence to that, fine, but I'm just showing you his historical evidence in church history. I'm showing you contextually how the wording is used here in the scripture. This is how, why I don't think it means that. And I just leave that on the table for them. I'm not there to make, uh, I tell my daughter this all the time. My daughter's a teenager. I tell her this all the time. You have a brain, use your brain. 
So here's all the evidence. I don't see how you could logically come to a different conclusion. So let's have this conversation, but here's everything I'm presenting. If you want to present your side, go for it. But like, here's all my evidence and just laying that on the table and being like, so <laughs> here it is. Like, let's talk about it. And that usually, um, usually one of two results, <laughs> one that they're going to, they're going to submit to the fact that like, yeah, okay. I can definitely see where you're coming from. Um, or they're just so in, they're just so in that camp that they don't care about what I have to bring or say or anything like that. And I just have to be okay with that. And at that point, it's a lot of just, okay, going to add you to that prayer list um, of, 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 you know, of people I pray for every day. Um, because I, I, after I present my information, it, it, it's their decision. It's their, it's their job to look through it and see if it's accurate or not. And at that point, it really is just, Hey, Holy spirit. Like I'm, I'm trusting given what you've given me that this is right. And if I am right, like, please show them, you know, what you've, what you've laid in front of me as well, because I, they're done talking to me, but you get to them. I can't. And so, um, that's basically my whole, even just witnessing to people is basically like, here's the information guys. Like here's everything you need to, you can't just tell me, Oh, well, I don't care. Like you, if you really care, you've got to look at this. You've got to dig into this. You've got to ask the questions. You can't just tell me, Oh, that's nonsense. Look, like, have you ever addressed this before? And, um, that's, that's how, for example, just to give like me, not always doing that, somebody doing that back to me, I grew up egalitarian, uh, and somebody laid all this information in front of me about complementarianism. And I had never looked at it before. And I was very like, ah, whatever, you're stupid. But when I dug into it, I could not hold the same position I had held before uh, after looking at all of it. And so that, um, not that that's why I do things the way I do it, but it definitely gave me a, a, like insight to like, oh, okay. So instead of just yelling at you about how right I am, let me just present the information to you and be like, here, if you're serious about it, you'll look at it. If you're not, I can't help that. But here's all the information I have. And I think in the, in the cases of like, hey, XYZ pastors telling me he, you know, go check the Bible and all, everything he's saying is in there. And I, what I would say is like, all right, so what does he say about this verse, this verse, and this verse? Okay, well, this is what I think, given the context, those verses mean. And at that point, it's up to them. It's, it's balls in their court. So, Yeah, I've had to, um, over time, I've had to come to the place where, all right, I'm, I'm just going to give you the information and pray for you because yeah. it's, uh, I, I am hard headed myself. So I can't expect other people not to be hard headed when being presented with new information, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and if, if I'm as hard headed as I am, you know, 10 years into my walk with Christ, people who are, who are just you know, non-believers, no, not Holy Spirit filled, like just unregenerate, uh, using their human uh, logic and, and living their life on emotion. I've had to really learn to not get so frustrated when I want them to, to, to hear what I want them to hear. Like I have some people in my life where I'm just like, yo, can you just please watch the case for Christ? Like just just watch it. Stop watching mm -hmm. my videos. It's coming out of my mouth. I know you don't believe anything I say. Like, just please mm -hmm. take take an hour and a half and go watch it. They will yeah. not even watch the movie. So it's like, all right, you 
you don't care enough. I'll be, you, I'll be honest with you. In those situations, I mean, we've talked about God's sovereignty before, him putting right people in right situations. My prayer often in those situations, because I've had a lot of those situations, um, where people are like, we've already heard what you said a thousand times. My prayer for them every single time is, God, get to them through some rando, complete stranger that I don't even know. Like, put somebody in their path that they cannot ignore, that this is just somebody that they, they're like, they got to listen to. Because like you said, like I, there's a long time, and this took a lot, honestly, took a few people completely separating themselves from relationships with me for me to realize that like, this is going to take somebody other than me. This isn't going to happen in my power. This isn't, I, this is, this isn't, I am not going to be ever convincing enough. And so my prayer, a lot in those situations, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry about that, but it's, 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 um, it's, it's very much God, like send somebody to them that's going to do the job that like clearly I'm not meant to do in this situation. Maybe I'm just planting the seed and they're going to water it. Um, yeah. That's, that's so true. Um, so, you know, I've built uh, sales teams for the past like 10 years, right? And in doing so, your team gets so tired of hearing you, right? Like you, you teach them this, you teach them that. So what a tactic that we use in order to help our sales teams learn is we just have somebody else come and say the same thing that we say and they're like they're like oh man that's the most wow i can't believe that it's so simple and blah blah and like i gotta just sit there and be like yeah i know right he's incredible like an absolutely <laughs> incredible because they don't they're so used to you that they don't want to hear what you're saying all it takes is somebody else coming along saying the same exact thing and they'll listen yeah. it's 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 like a they have a bias towards you you know mm-hmm. um but that's uh that's so true, man. So the book that I just wrote, right? Uh, I have a lot of in being in sales and being in team building. There's a lot of law of attraction that goes around, right? Like manifest this, get your goals, mm. the desires, all of that stuff, right? And I bought into it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I don't know what made me look into it. I, I don't remember what made me look into it, but I started digging into it and I'm like, this is some bad stuff when you really peel back the layers and, and get yeah. all the way back to its, you know, occult origins and even the industry itself mm-hmm. that promotes all the law of attraction stuff is like, it's pretty evil stuff that they be doing. So I'm like ringing alarms, ringing alarms, like, hey guys, we can't believe this. And especially if we're if you're a Christian, you can't believe this. You know, I'm like going in, they don't hear nothing I'm saying. It, it took my wife being like, John, just write the book, pull, put all the information somewhere so that way you stop having these discussions with people and you can just be like, yo, just, just read the book that I wrote. You know, here's all of the information. Here's everything. Yeah, yeah like just boom, hand them the book. So uh, I'm excited that that's, that's coming out next week. Yeah. Didn't mean, I didn't mean to shamelessly plug, but it's just like that. that plug uh, away, man. That's yeah. a cool accomplishment. <laughs> that's an amazing accomplishment, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it, but it's so it's so true what you're saying of hey, just give the information. But it's difficult when when we look at people as like, man, if you don't believe this, the consequences are eternally mm-hmm. bad for you. Yeah. And I just I want there, people to believe so bad that I'm I, I keep hammering and hammering and hammering. Like, but you're right. You are 100 percent right. Well, you there's kinda, a, 
there's a story if you if we got time for me to tell yeah it yeah tell it go for that it i think is helpful so being in youth ministry there's obviously a lot of kids that you have from christian households that just don't believe they grow up in it they just don't believe it and um in one instance here that really i think really speaks to this this whole experience in a really relatable way especially for parents but um there's this this couple i know and their their son grew up in youth ministry grew up in church his whole life he went to children's church junior church youth ministry all that graduates and then completely cuts them off um won't speak to him goes into uh i forget what the lifestyle is it's like um it's basically where you just cut your whole family off and you don't talk to them and you go live your life and do whatever you want it's a weird thing it's very cultish in itself but anyway and so these parents were having a i can't explain to you the rough time that they were having i can't imagine that happening the devastation that would happen as a parent for that and they i mean again they have they know that if if their son does not believe in jesus christ uh at the end of time he's going to be separated from the lord and from them and that obviously weighs pretty heavy on a person on a parent especially and i think when we're talking about this it it, it sounds like step one step two step three when we're talking about just giving the information and let god do it and that's one thing for a complete stranger or maybe just an acquaintance but obviously when it's your family or people you love like deeply that's step one step two step three becomes real 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 really fast and in that i think when we're talking about this, it's very much like how, how much do, and I had to have this realization with some family members myself, how much do I trust God? Like at the end of the day, how, how, how my, and I'm, and, and I tell the story about the parents and their son, because I think that really brings the weight to it. So when I say, how much do we trust God? It's not just an easy answer. Like, Oh, of course I do. Like, yeah. But in that situation, how much do you trust God? And, um, for me, it was a real wake up call too. just trying to think through the process. Like I say, trust God, if that happens to me, what do I do? And there's some situations that have come up and, um, with different family members as well, where it's not been to that extent, but I've really had to have moments where I go, God, like I, I cannot get to them. And I realize that like, it's very apparent that I cannot get to them. They're not going to listen to me. There's nothing that I can say, do to convince them. It's just not going to happen. And so there's this real laying down of me wanting to make this thing work and me wanting to have all the answers and me wanting to give them every bit of information and just pleading them with them to, like you said, like, just watch the movie, just read the book, just listen to the sermon. And me laying it down and being like, God, like in your time, it's your, and I'm just going to have to trust you on it. And I want, I want to be a part of that process if possible. I want to like, give me the words to say when the conversations come up and help me like, not like, cause there's been times where questions have been asked and I want to go full bore in. And it's just really this sense of like, just be simple about it. And so it's just this really, this, this God, give me these moments and these opportunities just to, just to say like these little things. And, uh, I can't give any examples of like, so for example, that son hasn't come home and the people I know haven't got saved yet, but there's still this trusting and like just this real sense of God, like you've got this. Like my parents prayed for me, come to find out for years and years and years before that sophomore year happened. And I didn't know that. And so, I mean, imagine praying. I mean, I pray for my kids all the time. Like imagine praying for 20 years for your kid to get saved, not knowing if it's going to happen. And then just, just saying, God, like it's you. Like, it's totally like, I can't get to them. And it's some random speaker for me. It's some random speaker that I don't remember their name or what they said, but God used that person in that moment to do something that my parents had told me a thousand times before. And so, like you said, with the whole sales team thing, it's just a matter of like trusting God enough to lay it down and say, God, let me be 
consistent. Let me be patient. Help me trust in you to do what you're going to do with this. And I think, um, not to make it about the page, but kind of just to, to kind of give you a practical example, um, what is a hobby for me that we just do consistently because I like doing it. I've gotten a ton of messages from people that I would have never thought that like doing a sermon review meant anything other than me just being like, Hey, this is cool. And, um, people, God working through like the little random things that you do in your life in the moment that you're doing them, that you don't, you don't know who's being affected by it, but somebody sees it or hears it and goes, that was the moment that I realized that I needed to do this differently. And I think it's, we talked about before, we want God to give us this big vocal voice. Honestly, I think it's just in your consistency. It's in your laying down of saying, God, I don't, I don't have any control here. You do, but help me be consistent in this. And in my consistency and in my faithfulness, just use this for however you want to use it. And I'm going to do it for however long. And if you kill it, you kill it. And if you make it big, you make it big. But whatever happens, just use whatever it is. And I think it's inconsistent. It's not in like the big, loud moments and the me wanting to fix it. It's in the small consistency of just laying everything down and being like, God, like you, <laughs> you've clearly got it. <laughs> and I, I don't know how you're using it, but you are. And just in those moments of, I mean, I got story after story. We don't have time, but just of people, you just being consistent and God opens that door out of nowhere and you've been praying for it for weeks and you, you were kind of like giving up. And then he's just like, no, it's, it's now do it now. And, um, just being consistent, I think is incredibly, um, God works in those moments a lot more often than he does in the big ones. Yeah. I, so hearing you speak it, what, what you said really, uh, really put some things into perspective for me because that what you said about how much do you trust God and you know I, I do trust God it's like but when it comes to my family members and friends that I love so much I'm like look God, I, you know I trust that you know you'll work in their life but you know and then you you start doing all these things right and uh mm -hmm. i really got to get rid of that but and doing all these things and really just let god work and put full trust in him and i know if i'm feeling like that somebody listening probably feels like that too we all our heart breaks for the people that we love and mm -hmm. and and knowing knowing the peace that comes with christ just in this life alone uh, i wish i could give that to people but all i can do is give people the reason why i have the peace and that's Christ. That's the gospel. But I can't give them the peace without them accepting Christ, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you for that. And um, I, I think that's a perfect way for us to close this out. So before before we do, just let people know where they can find you. Uh, if you have anything that you have coming out that you're going to be working on, um, just let us know. No, yeah, I mean, you can just search Honest Youth Pastor in Google, and that'll pretty much bring you up to everything we have, but mainly on Instagram and YouTube. Those are the two big things. Um, so, I mean, anything we got coming, we'll have, we just put out a thing on Mike Todd. We're working on a second thing now. Um, that was incredible, by the way. That was very well done. Very well done. Well, and it's, um, we're working on another one. I don't want to say who yet, um, but hopefully to keep doing that, just to give, just infer again, just informational stuff. Here's all the information. Do with it what you will. Um, to kind of help, try to help people, kind of, kind of parse through and know 
some, I think, helpful information. But so, yeah, just there. Uh, Instagram and YouTube. Uh, every week we do sermon reviews. And then on Instagram, uh, it's a lot of stuff just to help people start thinking. And then if you really, really want to get into the trash dumpster that is Twitter, I'm over there. But I may not be there for much longer. <laughs> um, so just catch that while that's available. Um, but those two places, especially YouTube and Instagram. So. All right. Well, God bless. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody that was in the chat and everybody who's who stayed tuned through all of the technical <laughs> difficulties. Thank you so much for you your dedication. MVPs, yes. No. You and the cookies are the MVPs. <laughs> so thank you so much. Uh, tomorrow at I believe it's eight o'clock going to be doing a live with the Bible dingers. We're going to be digging into church history and the future of the church so uh talking about their podcast and then on thursday going to be interviewing doreen virtue so really excited for that uh these next two days so stay tuned and god bless mike thank you again no problem thanks for having me see you guys later